0: So, they said this would be a whole lot better than uh, a literal race for fastest laugh in Battersea yeah. Park. Can't fault them on that one. It's certainly better <laughs> than that. How much better? Debatable. We'll get to that on Motorsport 101. Oh, Motorsport 101 is looking a bit different this week. Uh, I'm not your friend, friendly neighborhood, Andre Harrison. It's me, Ryan Eric King. Uh, <laughs> Dre's, Dre could not be here this week, though we have a guest to replace him. Uh, first our usual, first our usual co host uh, RJ Connell. RJ, how are you enjoying the Olympic Games so far? Um,
1: I've been getting a good seven to eight hours of sleep per day.
0: Uh, that's my <laughs> Olympic
1: experience. Uh, also, people are being gross about Simone Biles as always, but I kind of fucking expected that because we can never expect better out of
0: sporting culture and mass. And Cam Buckley,
2: you don't seem too excited right now. <laughs> um, as a basketball fan, Team USA stinks. Hey,
0: hey. They beat the great nation of Iran 122 to (laughs) sixty. Kevin Durant had ten points. (laughs) And our guest for this episode, uh, one uh Stuart from uh Chain Bear hello thanks for for having me
3: on although i don't think i could replace trey
0: as you put it
3: that's a that's a hefty weight on my shoulder
0: you're you're, you're a substitute while he's on the bed
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah i'll just sit here and try not to ruin the whole thing <laughs> Uh, oh, no. Stuart, you know
1: what this means? You get to be the Jack Grealish of the show. <laughs> Everybody is so excited to see the substitute come on, thinking, wow, Stuart's going to come in and score five goals, put us up to the finals, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, always the expectation. Like, watching Euro 2020 made me realize that, like, man, people are really huge on this Jack Grealish dude. <laughs>
3: Having just what uh, I only watched the final, and that's the only thing I was getting from Twitter while watching it was where is Grealish?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, but on this on this edition of Motorsport One Hundred and One, we'll be only covering one race and one race only. Well, technically two races, one two, round, <laughs> two races, two races of the penultimate round of the FIA AVB formerly World Championship. The London E-Pray. And for those of you who are new here, you can uh, subscribe to the show. Leave a like on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at at motorsport underscore 101. Uh, and you can also get all the episodes of the show on motorsport101.com. And if you particularly like us that well, you could subscribe to us on Patreon where you can get early access to the show and listen live. Uh, listen live via an unlisted YouTube link to a live stream of the show. Uh, on that note, it is time to head to London for Formula <laughs> E. London is back on the Formula E schedule. This time, we not. We're not at Battersea Park. We're at an even less likely, but more interesting venue, the XL Center. Uh, (laughs) the first round of this doubleheader featured a dominant performance from Jake Dennis, who fended off Mahindra's Alex Lynn, uh, to take the race victory. Lynn ended up finishing third in the first race with DeVries, with Nick DeVries finishing second in the Mercedes. Though, (laughs) Nick DeVries was not happy uh, with his experience having to qualify in the first group and pretty much made his life a bit more difficult than it needed to be. Uh, He was quoted as saying, uh, it says all in the publicity banners, the world's most unpredictable sport. Well, we're in it. We're all hating and loving it all the time. Hopefully we get the timing a little, a little bit right for the end of the season. Uh, so, uh, kind of stepping back from the race a bit. New venue. It looks great. One of us here was there in person. Uh, Stuart, how do you <laughs> feel about <laughs> the race venue?
3: I feel like I had a whole different experience. Just, I actually have to say, ignoring... The race for the moment, <laughs> which was the, uh, what they actually pulled off was, was quite extraordinary. Cause I went down there like, I mean, I only live, I don't know why I'm pointing. I'm, I live here,
2: <laughs> but the, uh,
3: the venue is tw- 25 minute walk down the road. Um, and I went down there a few weeks ago to check it out and realized what they were trying to do. And to have actually pull it off is quite extraordinary, especially when you saw them coming out of that ramp out of the i did so the first thing I didn't realize was the inside bit was a story up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just assumed it was going to be on the ground, but no a story up they kind of go out they exit it via a a teeny little ramp, which I thought they were never getting around um the venue before they did anything to it just seemed uh, completely inappropriate, but actually being down there and seeing what they done it was really. Quite impressive, and then seeing it on TV and seeing how how further they'd hidden all the uh, uh, calamity behind the scenes as they do as we've sometimes seen when we've gone to to, to Ypres. I, I, I thought logistically very impressive in terms of producing a race. I think we all had a good time. I think there's definitely a, a, a few kinks to iron out, particularly that double hairpin, which uh, I think when we looked at it, we all knew it was going to cause trouble.
0: Yeah, just from the map,
3: but um, I mean, I, genuinely, I was I was really impressed with what they pulled off. I think <laughs> it was uh, ambitious and silly, uh, very formulary, but but they got two races out of it, just
0: sort of. Yeah, they they <laughs> that, that seems to be the Formula motto, where it's yeah. like we'll race in the unexpected, and the races will be just as unexpected. And to me, the XL Center venue is. I would say something that should be celebrated in terms of <laughs> being able to race where they, where you, you would never expect it to be. Yeah, you
1: can't race most shit indoors because <laughs> that's the thing about petrol engines—they kick out emissions, <laughs> and emissions tend to get trapped indoors as compared to outdoors. I don't know how monster truck shows happen in a dome. They happen in dome stadiums all the time. Loaded low and emission electric. vehicles,
2: monster trucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a real feat of engineering. Second, of course, to these formula e cars. I think the the idea is fine. I mean, I thought it was just wild that we were finishing off like whole ass concerts like five minutes before lights <laughs> out to start the race.
0: Now, there, there's one. There's there's one thing I need to ask you specifically, Stuart, because it didn't get, it's either we missed it on the broadcast or like it just didn't happen at all. Because normally before an international motor, motorsport <laughs> event, you're supposed to play the host nation's national anthem. Did that happen in London or not? Are you saying that Raya song is
3: not the British national anthem? <laughs> because in our hearts <laughs>
2: oh my god
3: uh, uh i certainly didn't hear it um i wasn't in the indoor arena part of it uh which when everything began i was kind of uh locked off to the um uh, wealthier participants <laughs> uh the media and the um the normal punters were uh, either in the media center or kind of locked out down by turn yeah. 16. So, no, I certainly didn't see it take place. you got to assume
0: they stuck it on a Walkman somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just the but, obligatory, just quiet whisper, God save our
3: great I mean, it's, <laughs> a terri- it's a terrible national anthem, both in lyric and tune. It's just awful, so <laughs> why not have dancers?
0: <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh, and yeah, like, again, to me, uh, it's, it's a very interesting, unique circuit. Uh, I'll, I'll give them this leeway for the first time that, that they, you know, did the race, but if they make no, no adjustments (laughs) for next year, big question marks (laughs) need to be drawn. Um but uh kind of circling back quickly to Nick DeVries comments about qualifying and group qualifying uh and Formula E themselves have started, you know, thinking about alternatives to group qualifying. Uh, mainly because, yeah. you know, it, we're we're in a period where the We're, we're really late in Gen 2 and we're kind of getting this convergence where all the cars in terms of performance are very close. So the faster cars, the faster cars, even if they do end up at the top of the points table and end up going first in Group 1, they're not they're not that much faster than all the other cars, so it is a much bigger penalty than it would be in prior seasons where it was possible to win pole from Group 1. Now it's just not anymore. Uh, any idea about what the series could do to change this? Because uh, I know one particular person on the show who's not happy about group qualifying. One, Cam Buckley. Uh, Cam, what do you think? Formally, you should do a back group qualifying.
2: Well, I think we should have a Q1, Q2, and Q3 followed by a sprint qualifying session.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay, Okay, Ross Braun. Okay. (laughs) Um,
2: Honestly, I think just traditional, normal, not sprint. F1 qualifying would probably be a better solution. I wouldn't say it's the perfect solution, but the problem with group qualifying right now is that it sets up a problem where nine times out of 10, the fastest driver in the fastest car doesn't have any chance for pole. Not, not just a low chance. They don't have any chance to qualify well. And as you said, the cars for the most part, other than the Neos are Close enough that you can't just cut through the field like you used to be able to in a fast car. And so, as Nick DeVries put it, they have to time it right. Because if they're in too good a championship position going into the final race at Tempelhof, they're going to be in a position where they're going to get dropped down the field due to the nature of the qualifying.
0: Yeah. Uh... Anyone else with a different, uh, well, a different perspective on what Formula e could do?
1: It's it's hard for me because, like, you're right in the sense that, you know, a while ago this was awesome because, like, you know, it didn't always ensure, like, the fastest car and the fastest driver wins pull all the time. Like, I don't, sometimes I like a little bit of juff, jumbling up the order. Even yep. if it is a little artificial, but I do think the way it is now, it does need a bit of a rethink. I, it, the trouble is, the trouble is with just going with like a single timed qualifying format is that these cars really only have juice for one attack lap. So then, really, your only other alternative is just straight up single lap. Well, qualifying that's up
2: to the or- that's up to the organizing body. They could definitely they could. Set them up to do more than one attack lap.
0: Yeah, because the be whether they're the, willing to, like the practice sessions show that they could do it. It's just that the format kind of dictates that. Hey, uh, each group session is so short. So why even try to push laps? It's it, it's a scenario where you get one chance in pole. If you if you don't get it right, you're out and. Due to you know track evolution, uh, due to track evolution, the track gets faster as the session goes on, and that,
2: that's really that's the key issue here. Is the track evolution is so powerful in FE because these are city streets, they're not bespoke racing circuits. You get strong track evolution at a permanent circuit yeah. where it rubbers in. This just cleaning off the dust off the racing line is worth the better part of a second a lap at some tracks.
3: I think it, it's a really tricky thing because it's trying to. You, you understand what they're doing because they're trying. They're trying to solve that problem of trying to fairly let people out as the track evolves. But you're also, if you just had a free for all, you'd have a situation where everyone was trying to go out in the last minute in tracks that aren't very long, yeah. and having a just yeah, well, that I mean, Formula E does that anyway. Where even when they're going out six at a time, they all trip over yeah. each other and, um. And trying to sort of solve both of those problems in a fair way is 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 tricky and I, and you're not going to get away from that yeah how the track evolves as it goes on unless you kind of literally randomize it with 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 slots with um with withdraws which they they would hate and they did hate <laughs> yeah,
2: they, didn't they try
3: that before?
2: Yes. It would yes. be even more random. It just wouldn't punish you based on championship position in theory. Yeah, because,
0: yeah, because it, it ended up being, uh, the groups were drawn at random. So, like, mm. the groups were still in championship order, but when you went out was randomized. So you could have the, ch- you could have the, the second group in championship order end up going out last, which the leaders hated even more. And, it's, it's hard to find a solution where one, everyone's not out in track at once and you still have to fit the session within a certain time window. You have to fit it within an hour because you have to do the entire event in one day.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Honestly, I think, I think one potential solution is not change the qualifying format itself, but run final practice directly before it just to get the track clean to make it as fair as possible to all, all four groups. Yeah, that might be a solution.
0: But, uh, yeah, because one idea that formally proposed was basically even smaller groups, where it would be essentially a knockout tournament-style format where everyone is paired up, and if you're faster than the than the driver you're paired with, you advance. Ooh. Ooh. Which maybe which could be a potential solution for the future. We'll see if formally continue about thinking about that proposal, but again, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, To everyone at home and probably at the track, biggest story of the weekend was race two. Oh, buddy, race two. (laughs) RJ will tell us all about it. (laughs) Oh, if you thought race one was wild.
1: Race two. Oh, boy. Um, let's just say that when the great YouTube content creator, Summoning Salt, uh, embarked <laughs> on the journey of, uh, speedruns and Mario Kart Ultra Shortcut videos, I, I don't think he would have ever imagined that somebody would try an Ultra Shortcut in real life. Because, <laughs> yeah, we got, we got Alex Lin. Finally getting his first career win on the board, which I'm very, very happy for. But the story of the race was our good friend, um, Mr. Mister Mensa himself, <laughs> Lucas Degrassi. Um, so what had happened was Lucas Degrassi was given a drive-through penalty for not properly respecting safety car procedures. Audi were also fine. 50 grand, 90% of it suspended for not telling their driver about this penalty. All this while Audi principal Alan McNish, uh, went viral for running towards the Etzel Center to find race control. Um, I gotta say, if there was ever one diminutive Scotsman who could challenge Usain Bolton's prime, probably McNish in that moment. <laughs>
2: um, angry Alan McNish is a terrifying
1: force. As a result of ignoring this drive through penalty that he was never told about, Lucas was black-flagged and disqualified from the official result, making him the first ever driver to be black-flagged in Formula E history. And I know Lucas is all about making firsts in Formula <laughs> E, though this is probably not one of those firsts. I got a quote from our buddy, Lucas. Who said everything we did today was clearly permitted by the rules of the championship we could only do it if the safety car was at a lower speed than the pit lane speed limit otherwise i would lose positions it was a bold risky move but i'm fully behind my team when the decision was taken. the penalty was correctly applied because the vehicle the reels did reach zero did not go full zero kilometers per hour after the data was analyzed in detail as it was so close I was only informed of the penalty after the checkered flag via radio. And I had, yeah, if you watch the race afterwards, you can see, like, the post-race shots. Like, Lucas gets out of the car and his team principals are just, like, whisking away. Like, hey, buddy, buddy, we need to talk you out. You, you did not <laughs> win that race. <laughs> no. I'm sorry to break it to you. Which, only second most awkward uh, post-race after Fairline's... Uh, Oh, uh, why did I'm you have quick. to say it?
3: Because
1: mm-hmm. uh, it's the most relevant point of reference that we have in the second half of the season. Uh. <sighs> Folks, let's be honest. I'm going to kick it over to our guest, Stuart, first. What was your reaction <laughs> to Lucas Degrassi's ultra-shortcut attempt <laughs> as it happened in real time?
3: Well, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Because I was standing next to my friend next to me, who was helping me at the weekend, and I was like, "Why is my timing app got Degrassi at the front?" <laughs> <laughs> what, what does your timing app say? I think mine's broken. I think, um, and I was, st- I still thought it was broken until it appeared on the TV, and uh, Jack Nichols was like, "Lucas Degrassi has come through the pit lane, and is now in the lead." Um, at which point. And I'm interested to see how much we differ on this. I was quite outraged. And I, (laughs) (laughs) because I know, I didn't even know if, you know, whether he attempted to to stop at that point. All we knew is he'd gone through the pit lane and we'd assumed that would be perfectly legal. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it because he's, you know, brain genius. (laughs) Um, but just, I can't imagine. And this is why I'm not a ruthless championship winning race driver. I can't imagine doing that and feeling fine about it. And I- so,
0: I'm
1: i sorry, just just so I'm clear on this, because there yeah. were bits of race two that I checked on out on because admittedly, I watched it, but I was dozing in and out during never wake up early in the morning. Mornings are overrated. But uh, just to be clear, nothing was wrong with his car and he wasn't going into the pits to serve a penalty at that point.
0: Yes, that was the case. Mm. Uh, cause I don't know if, cause RJ wasn't here. I don't remember if Cam was here or not. Cause we, a I bunch of us. I was watching
2: it. I was watching <laughs> it. I was not in the Discord, but I was watching it on my TV. A
0: bunch of us were watching it on the podcast Discord server. And Which you can join!
1: <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101.
0: <laughs> my, my sort of, descent into madness started with Degrassi pulls in the pit lane. I'm like, okay, maybe something is wrong with this car. Uh He's still going and he's going pretty fast. And then you can't really quite see it because it seemed like he just did a drive through at first. And I'm like, uh, what's, what's going on? And then he comes out the end of pit lane, which is something normally you don't see because normally like, <laughs> Uh, it say in North American racing series where this is fairly common to do, if if the if the safety car queue is passing pit lane exit, the exit's normally closed, someone can't just go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only does he go out, but he lines up right behind the safety car. And I'm like like, this can't be legal, right? You can't be allowed to do this, right? <laughs> Uh, and, like, my general reaction was, well, if it's legal, fine, but this can't be legal, right? Uh, (laughs) like, just me repeating to myself, this can't be legal, right?
2: (laughs) Watching this on TV, the first thing I thought was... This is fantastic content. <laughs> <laughs> the same. second thing I thought is there's no way that's legal. And if it is, what is this series?
3: I, I don't know how long it actually mm. took in real time, but, and it may have been extended in my mind just by, by sheer aghastedness,
2: but it felt <laughs> like
3: officially. Nothing was said for ages. Like I think the race restarted. No one was under investigation. The commentators was like, "Okay, this is the order now." Yep, <laughs> I like, yep. yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: think I think the entirety of the sport was taken aback by Degrassi's audacity
0: to go <laughs> do that. It, it felt like. It felt like race officiating themselves up in race control were literally going through the the sporting it's like, no way. he just <laughs> did what he did. There's no There's way. There's no way. And when they finally got around to it, it's like, okay, Degrassi's under investigation for safety car procedure. We got him <laughs> <laughs> And it ended up going down to uh a very small part of the regulation stating that if you go down Pit Lane, uh you do have to stop in your pit box. You just simply can't drive through. And on the world feed it wasn't clear because <laughs> Oh bet- my god. <laughs> because between the camera position they use for Pit Lane and Audi's pit stall there was one of the support columns
2: <laughs> so we did, we did not get we did we- not get clear footage of what actually <laughs> happened until hours after the race had concluded yeah
0: which I jokingly posted on social media is an exact plot line the WWE famously <laughs> used during the Royal Rumble like 20 years ago. That's <laughs> right. That's right.
1: That was when The Rock um, did a head scissors takedown on the big show to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, that's how it's supposed to go. Except this foot feet hit the ground, so then they had to turn that into a rematch, which then turned into a
0: convoluted fatal four-way main event that ultimately <laughs> didn't matter because... But but the key point of that Royal Rumble plotline was that The Rock's feet hit the floor at the same yeah. time as the big show. Uh... <laughs> Though, the way the camera was angled, you couldn't actually see their feet hit the floor. Yeah, because it's just...
2: facing from the back!
0: Yeah, because they just assume that uh, there's no way we'd actually be able to time this perfectly in real life, so let's just have the camera be ex- obscured. Little did they know there was a second camera angle where it actually showed their feet hitting the floor at the same time. <laughs> okay, bro,
1: this is what I would do if
0: I was booking Formula E. <laughs> Though in Formula E's case, the the second camera angle, which they released after the race, was conclusive. Degrassi did not go
2: to a complete stop. Yeah, so one of those rolling uh, stops. His, I've his done wheels stopped. His wheels stopped. However, he continues to slide in the pit box.
3: Yeah, that yes. was the thing because they they hadn't emeryed, they hadn't put down the surface in his pit box, uh, and it's quite slippery when it. Other than that, very explicit zone where the pit Yo. lane of the track is. Um, but. Yeah.
0: Yes, and as the race continued, uh, it became clear and clear after he was awarded the drive-through penalty, and seemingly Lucas Degrassi was not going to serve that penalty. <laughs> and the minute, the moment that penalty was awarded, seconds later they cut to a second camera feed of Alan McNish <laughs> running through the Excel Center looking for race control. <laughs>
3: Now, I don't watch WWE, but that also seems very much like
2: (laughs) some shit that would go down there. Alan McNish hasn't moved that fast (laughs) since the last time he drove an LMP1.
1: Alan McNish is coming in with the Money in the Bank briefcase! (laughs)
0: <laughs> and it, it it seemed clear to uh, commentary and everyone at home that Audi had no intentions of serving that penalty because they knew that it wasn't going to get overturned if they served it. Uh, the only way that they could win this race is if they could convince race control that what they did was legal. And, yep, uh was not legal. And not only that, uh, they they avoided any possibility of Audi appealing this by awarding Lucas Degrassi the black flag, which cannot be appealed. <sighs>
1: you so, know... So, before, before we get started, um, how responsible <laughs> is Formula <laughs> E for that gaping chasm of a loophole? Or did they just honestly think of the goodness of their heart think, wow, nobody's gonna try this!
2: You know anytime you give a racing driver an inch and they'll take the whole damn country <laughs> there's no rule against it. Someone was gonna I just don't still think they had they had the imagination that someone that would have the audacity to try this one day,
1: yeah, it's kind of like. 98 British Grand Prix, most commonly cited sample. Nobody thinks that Michael Schumacher is going to be shrewd enough to serve a drive-through penalty on the last lap, knowing that his pit bots is right <laughs> after the start finish line. Until he did, it was just like,
3: huh, he can't keep getting away with this! <laughs> I'm actually, I've got that exact point as a note in my, in <laughs> <my laughs>
1: It's good to be on the same way. It's good to be part of a hive
3: mind. It's great. (laughs) To this day, I still cannot believe they were like, there's nothing we could book him on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's why they made it so you have to serve the penalties before the last lap.
0: And I I think formally we're put in the situation where it's like, uh, it feels like the rule set was not designed for street circuits like this. Where it's like, maybe it would be good to have a NASCAR, an IndyCar style rule book where we just could close pit lane exit right. so Lucas would have had to stop at the end instead of having to find
2: this other procedural reason to of on. Yeah. And this was also this was also triggered by the safety car going so slowly that this loophole was an exploitable option. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I definitely don't think they expected to do so well out of it uh, that they did. I I think it was a big thing that they missed because I think you set up the track and you think, you work out, well, what is the pit lane delta? What is the pit lane delta under safety car under full course yellow? And these kind of things flag up. When they rejigged Silverstone into the new layout with the new pit lane, uh, they dropped the speed limit in the pit lane because of how much of a shortcut it was. I feel like it's something you... You spot and
0: do something about. Yeah, because under normal circumstances, uh, safety car speed is faster than pit lane speed. Uh, so I could see why this loophole was never discovered, because you'd never assume the safety car would be going slower than pit lane speed. But also, you have to remember that when these rules were conceived, no one ever thought we'd be having a pit straight indoors, so... (laughs) Behind a mini. Everybody
1: just figured that Battersea Park would be such a booming success that we'd still be racing there after seven seasons.
0: Yeah. Reader, that is Uh, not what happened. Um, Though, though it it does feel to a degree... Formally, like, it, it does feel to a degree the FIA was very harsh on Audi for what yeah. they did.
1: I was about to talk about this, and, you know, given that um, we're recording this on the 28th of July, uh, tomorrow Red Bull is going to have a hearing about that clash between Verstappen and Hamilton.
2: Um, Whatever could you mean? Uh,
1: but Audi seemed to, like, come down hard. They seem to come down hard on Audi for this. I know most of this monetary fine suspended.
2: Audi found a loophole in their rules, rubbed it in Effie's face in front of the whole (laughs) world, and the the, the FIA crashed their whole weight down upon Audi as a result for making, let's call it what it is. They made Formula E look like a clown show. Yeah. And the the FIA felt like getting some revenge.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm of a I'm of a slightly different mindset of like 50 Gs is a drop in the bucket for a multi billion dollar manufacturer, and like if yeah. they really wanted to drop the weight on him, dock dock them teams championship points.
2: Yeah, because let's let's be real here if they if they dock we, them teams, cha- what do they care? Like
1: he's leaving, leaving anyway;
2: anyway. <laughs> and they're, they're like, leaving anyway, and that's a deterrent to anyone who wants to join.
0: Yeah, and it's like let's be real here, like. Fifty thousand euros might be a lot for Formula E, but like fifty thousand euros ain't a lot for for VW Group.
1: Yeah, fines, Mm. monetary fines for rich people who do crimes is just effectively a slap on the wrist. Although I don't think this was really a crime.
2: Uh, What? Just forget, forget attack mode, forget fan boost, forget the driving standards that we may or may not talk about later in the show. This is basic running your championship properly shit. Mm-hmm. This could be excusable in season one or season two. This is season seven of FIA Formula E. The stewarding standards and the rules have been shot full of holes this year. And every when everything is fine, the rules work. Anytime there is regulatory pressure to come down on someone, we get a farce. Yeah. This is, like, third on the list of (laughs) insane black-eye races and events that we've had this year in this sport.
0: Yeah, between Valencia, Puebla, and now London, it, 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 like, man, it... Monaco was so
2: great, but just... God damn. Monaco (laughs) is, like, the one... Otherwise, it's been Monaco being potential race of the year candidate. Yeah. And a typical Formula E season. (laughs) With three like fucked up era cart and IRL level events sprinkled in. I was
1: about to say, do we all remember Deria? Deria feels like it was literally 50 years ago.
3: Yeah, Uh, I do not. I don't even know who. Oh, Sam Bird won, didn't he? That's that's about... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And it undoes all of the things that are great about Formula E because there are great things. Fundamentally, yeah. the racing product on a good track is fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's why
2: manufacturers want to commit and recommit to this series. That's
1: why top-level drivers want to get paid, like factory drivers, to race here.
0: Yeah, because, like, in terms of the circuits they go to, uh like... Any track to go to in South America, whether it be Punta del Este, Santiago, Buenos Aires, or back in Europe with Monaco or Tempelhof, those are great venues. Like, formally put on spectacular races there with no issue. But when we want to, like, oh, we need to have a race in in London, and, like, they think more about what would be an interesting location rather than a good racing venue, and it shows... You're not doing your job.
2: You're not doing your job if you're building a track over aesthetic rather than uh, <laughs> racing product.
3: There's it, it, interesting about this track because uh, I'm doing a video on the sort of how it was all put together. And I spoke to the Ollie McCrudden, who is the um, he's like the cities and planning's director, but he also the race event director for London. Uh, they've been planning to come here since season two. Uh, well, well, been, it was one of many ideas. They were sketching out yep. season two in season, you know, when Battersea was like, um, and Formula E was unconvinced because it was a bit too crazy for them, and they they looked all over the place, including like St James's Park, Greenwich Park, and a, they just kept coming back to Excel. It just seemed to tick all their boxes, which.
1: It's fair. I mean, poses I mean, some as interesting a facility, questions. As Well, a facility, I mean, I think at Cell Center still has some potential, but it's clear that, like, hey, they've got to change this layout in a way that, like, hey, it's possible that we can have less of this bullshit.
0: Yeah, because I, I feel it, like, in terms of planning in Greater London and formally mm-hmm. have two different ideals where. Uh, where like you talked about, when formally looks at venues for ideal racing, it's normally a city park because it's a a decent expanse. The roads that roads in city parks are wider than usually tight city streets, and you don't get a lot of ninety degree corners, which people naturally lean against in city street circuits. Which is Mm -hmm. why. You know, Templehof, while formerly being an airport, is currently a city park. Uh, Santiago Park, Punta del Este, Beachfront. Uh, where you go into the other locations, you get weirder scenarios where, uh the cities don't have to close down public spaces to have these events happen. So New York's at a cruise port terminal again, London, the Excel center for those who don't know is a convention, uh, mm-hmm. a convention center. So I thought it was a car park. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> well, it's you, partially a car park. You, you don't have to close down a public place, like a public green space to have this event, which in terms of city planning is great but in terms of putting on a good race might not be the best idea. It's
2: Yeah, I mean... go ahead, Stuart.
3: I just guess it's it's a tricky it's a tricky location cuz unlo- I mean actually I don't actually know what the Brooklyn track looks like when it's not a track. In my mind it's just an <laughs> expanse of concrete. Yeah. Uh but in terms of fitting a track around the convention center um like where the track mode is it's a car, it, there's a car park there yeah. um and the car park is contained on all sides and the track comes into the car park through one entrance and out the car park through the other entrance of the car park and <laughs> they, there's a limit there and the 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 double hairpin that's very clumsy and i'm assuming will get looked at uh is in quite a small amount of space and it's only there to increase the length of the track because it tracks one and a half miles long as it is it's not particularly long so they are a little bit hands tied behind their back with what they could do which you know maybe you ask questions about why they finalized this area but yeah they're they're a little bit hamstrung by the space they have available
0: yes (laughs) Uh, and it's uh, kind of talking about that double hairpin (laughs) Uh, we do have to talk about the incidents that occurred
2: over the course of the racing weekend.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, there were many
2: of them. we get to the bumper car section. <laughs> yes. Right.
0: Where the notable events that we have listed out were uh, Oliver Rowland had Dive Bonds off Van Dorn for the lead, with Van Dorn calling it a quite amateur move. Uh, Andre Lauder had a coming together on the pit straight with Antonio. A coming Costa. together. Is that
2: what we're going to call it? <laughs> nice I'm trying to be voice. as fair <laughs> and neutral as possible. King, that's a
1: passive voice. Here shit? I am.
2: Here I am as a Porsche, as, as King Porsche simp. He wielded <laughs> the grinding takedown from Burnout Paradise on Antonio Felix da Costa.
0: Oh, uh, and then, uh, one of the more notable incidents in the double hairpin with Sam Bird getting hit, <laughs> Sam Bird hitting not only the wall, but Norman Nato. <laughs> and then Bwemi and Rast, you know, w- with Bwemi hitting Rast and then Rast hitting the wall and coming back into Bwemi. <laughs>
2: This only one round after Blimey took Rast out and gave him a puncture in New York. Um, there were driving standards. I wouldn't <laughs> call them high, but there were driving standards at the London E-Prees. Um, <sighs> <laughs> You've broken that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can't find the words to describe the bumper cars, the wreck fest, uh, now available on PS5, that yeah. the race two was. Uh, the driving standards were piss poor. The penalties given for said driving standards were inconsistent from incident to incident, from lap to lap. Uh,. You know, a a racing driver is going to keep doing dumb shit if you don't deter them. And they were not deterred at any stage by the stewarding. And they continued (laughs) doing
1: dumb shit. I I think Degrassi got hammered harder for the safety car infringement than anybody involved in any of these incidents got.
2: Correct.
0: Yeah, which is... Like, I'd understand if they tried to explain away the inconsistency if, say, it's fairly common in competitive sailing. Anytime they make a ruling, anytime race control makes a ruling in those events, uh, they, it, it's fairly recent they introduced this, I think within the past three years where, uh, the race official, uh race director would get on to the broadcast with the commentary team and explain why certain penalties were given and why it was that given severity. And I think it would put a lot of people at ease if if that was possible. If if you're being that inconsistent for consistency's sake. Uh well, then at least I just could... have like one of like how like a lot of these sportscasters
1: step like these sports broadcasts now have like uh referees, former referees, out here as rules experts to explain the decisions. Even something like
0: that. Yeah. And uh that would probably improve things and it would make the broadcast TV even better product. Uh I don't know how feasible that is, uh though I do think the incidents do come down to uh well I'd say track layout track layout is an issue. Yeah, yeah.
2: That, that, that double, double that, hairpin we, we the first we lost we laid eyes upon it when they when they we saw the track layout and we are like this is going to be a choke point. People are going to try some desperate shit in these corners and it is not going to work out and it was the flashpoint all weekend.
1: Yeah. I always wanted to know what it would be like to see an online lobby tackle the first <laughs> and Monza, but in real life, and it's in the UK and not Italy. You know, that's oh. always what I wanted.
0: Yeah. No, that, 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 like, that needs to go for net season. Yeah, like, I don't care. Wh- when they said, like, when formally said that they were going to amend the layout for this circuit, I'm like, oh, they're going to get rid of the double hair fin, Formley was like... Mm, Actually, no. 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 <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that and we are the anakin padme me <laughs> you're getting you, you, we changed the circuit but but you changed the double hairpin right but you changed the double hairpin <laughs> right <laughs> uh. and i and, and it's
0: it's not just a London issue it happens at you know a number of other venues where uh, tight confines equals tight racing, and tight racing equals probably a lot of contact. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, well, the bigger problem is, you know, there's, very, there's little to no punishment unless you actually just fucking dump someone in the series. Right. Um, and you have a wide entry going into that turn, relatively, with a very tight corner. And then it opens back up for a switchback opportunity into another tight corner.
0: Oh Lord!
3: How many people did we see successfully make moves there? I think Van Dorn did, or, but yeah, I saw really a great
1: move from Devries up the inside of Out's lid. Yeah, um, we had that's two about or three really good. good ones. Uh, unless you were taking this single file, there was very little chance that you were pulling off any moves, unless you were just putting somebody into a, into the adjacent wall. And, like, yeah. I like racing that gives you a little bit of leeway for some mm-hmm. contact, you know? That's part of what I like about Formula Lee you can, you can rub a little, and the car's not going to break. That's fine. But I think we're past the point of just, like, yeah, we don't want this to turn into British touring cars.
2: Which is what it looked like. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting there for w- British touring car Twitter to get up. There, <laughs> <my
3: patience. laughs> there was something – there was – I well, I mean, we. I know they rub shoulders a lot yeah. wherever you put them, but there was something about that double hairpin that was just like, well, A, if you got your nose upside, you were committed <laughs> to no. chaos
2: through that, the right and it. the left. That was it. If you got alongside, the, the way the corners were laid out put you in a position where if you want to finish, if you want to complete that move, you're going to have to use up the other guy's car.
3: Yeah. And as you know what they're like, they're, they're, they're not prepared to, to back out. But yeah. The kind of incidents we were seeing were like much more car breakers at such a low speed than we're used to. I still don't know how they cleared Sandbird's car in the second race. It's like yeah. we went to a replay and we came
0: back and they were even they were gone. Yeah, he's gone. Like <laughs> it's like this is something out of racing where it's like, did he just hit escape to to leave the car? <laughs> 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 Press
2: okay. space bar to reset your car to the track. Oh, no, maybe that's what we it,
3: need. That's what Formula E needs. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, that's what we need. We, we need a reset button, and uh, we need the uh, the iRacing uh, penalty system.
0: Actually, uh, no, we don't need that. Yeah, we, we have a little time left, and we don't normally do this, but we do have a question from a supporter. And I think it's a fairly interesting question where the uh, uh, question is, does the race have to be in London? There are other places in Britain. Are there any other places in Britain you'd like to see uh, a British E-Prix? And, uh, it, personally in my mind, uh, kind of,
2: it's against Formula E's brand. Like, that's just it. Like, London is the city. Yeah. And Effie wants to race in cities. Because well, we've got, we've got a half a dozen tracks that would be viable for FE.
0: But, but yeah. no, no, let's not talk about actual racing tracks. Let's not, yeah. let's not... Let's talk about we, cities. Yeah, like yeah, let's talk Like yeah. Birmingham. Birmingham
1: yeah. is like, Birmingham was like the hottest street race, the only street race in the United Kingdom for years and years and years. And you're thinking, are enough of those streets still around where you could potentially revive the Birmingham Super <laughs> E. Pre?
0: But the yeah, yeah. Pre. But before before all our British viewers and listeners get mad <laughs> at us, let me apologize for Cam. London is not the only city in Britain. London is not
2: the I'm only about, city well, I'm in of, Oh, I know, but <laughs> in terms of what F.E. wants to promote themselves as. Yes. It's like how New y- they treat like they treat New York like they're the only city in the United States, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: which is interesting because they raced in Long Beach the first few years, and I would love to see these modern cars come back to the pull Long Beach circuit. That would be awesome.
2: You're acting like Los Angeles this isn't a big
0: city. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So like we got one Los city a- on one that-
2: side of the U.S. We got one city on the other, and that's it.
1: That that small uh, that small market, Los Angeles, California. With their plucky underdog sports teams that just scrape by with minimal budgets and star talent. Oh boy, Um, you know going to be physically ill. (laughs) London, I get why they they want London to work out because it clearly didn't work the last time they tried it. You know they they tried to force a square peg into a tiny tiny round hole, and you know what? Bless them for trying, but it didn't work out at self-center, I'd say give it a year, give it some track modification, but if this doesn't work out, like, eventually you gotta pull the plug realize, like, London ain't the only glamorous city within the United Kingdom you've got, like, you know, Glasgow and Edinburgh, they're there. They're there somewhere. Manchester, it's there. Birmingham, it's there.
0: I- I'd like to apologize
1: to Scotland. <laughs> Scotland.
2: <laughs> a lot of apologies on today's podcast.
1: I'm just saying there are more
2: options.
1: I think we I, all agree will, that there are more options.
3: I will say as someone from the UK and as a, a Londoner my whole life, apart from university, uh, there are other cities. And yeah. I, I, the rest of the UK is very much like, please, there are other cities. The UK seems to put all of its eggs in the London basket, be it infrastructure, money, <laughs> hosting things. Birmingham would be, not only would Birmingham be great, it actually can it has the streets for it w- without having to like put it into some corner away from everything else. Um, we could even go to Belfast. People forget that Northern Ireland is also part of the UK. <laughs> <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. There are plenty of other places, and we don't have to like sell a British event short by not putting it in London.
1: I
2: would I would The problem, ex- would the problem ex- is convincing Formula E to go do, do that. Is it out of line to suggest
1: that a Belfast Prix would only be good if it was a twenty six minute race plus six additional minutes?
2: Oh, <laughs> I now want to fight RJ O'Connell.
0: <laughs> but on that note the,
3: That's the note.
2: <laughs> Back to the studio.
0: The next time we'll see the, the You know what? I just
2: thought of I just thought of a great idea. You want Chaos? running it at the old Top Gear test track with the figure eight.
1: If you get hit in the crossover, too bad. Oh, people would pack Dunsford
0: Airfield for that.
1: Because <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's a Top Gear track.
0: On that, out, uh, the next time we'll see, Formula A will be on the weekend of the 14th and 15th of August for the season finale at Temple Off Airport. Uh, any, any... Quick predictions on who you think is going to win this championship.
1: I feel confident that a driver representing a Formula E team will win the world (laughs) championship in Berlin. That is how confident I feel.
2: (laughs) Um, You know, I may be wrong... I'm going to be wrong, but I'm not going to deviate from my pick at the start of this season. With everyone still in the fight, I think Rene could still somehow pull it off.
1: Yeah, he's only 23 points back.
2: Yes, so
0: mathematically, to still be in the running for uh, the championship, you just need to be checks notes within roughly... Uh, 56 places, <laughs> 56 points of the leader, which is pretty much the entire field. So, sorry,
2: sorry, Joel Erickson. Yes,
0: yeah, sorry, Joel Erickson, you showed up a bit too late to win the championship this year. <laughs> uh,
3: I will say Nick Defries, the only one of the top five who hasn't been out of the top ten in the standings yes. at some point. Somehow. Even though he's going into Templehof in Group
0: One,
2: that's you see that's the problem. He's yeah, timed he's it too terribly. well placed,
0: and yeah, based based on my prediction at the start of the year, I'm gonna I'm to stick with that. Uh, based on how he ran here last year, based on the fact he's not in Group One uh, for this race, and potentially the second race, even if he wins, uh, one Rene Rast is in great position to win this championship, mm-hmm. despite being in. Tenth in the, <laughs> the tenth place in the standings.
2: F one twenty ten ain't got shit on this. Gun to head. <laughs> um,
1: you you put me under pressure to make a pick right now. I'm a I'm going to be bold, brazen enough to pick somebody that does have to start the weekend in Group One. I'm going to be bold and brazen enough to think that Robin Friends is going to win this championship. Okay, but if but I could be very. Very, very wrong. Very, very wrong. By the end of Harley
2: Davidson Livewire Racing Legend,
1: I (laughs) just just entertain me. Don't be too much of a shit show, but enough of a shit show to where we still have like an interesting race to talk about. You know, that's where I want Formula E
2: to be. Be memorable.
1: I want Formula E to be as competitive every week as IndyCar. I want there to be the feeling that anybody can win on any given weekend. I think we all want that. And I think that's what the group qualifying format's trying to accomplish. I think but you know, I think it is time to just have a look at the way things are done. And that's that's fine. For yeah, that's any fine. young series, those growing pains are gonna happen. I know it's been I know it's season seven, but you know
0: F1 said like season seventy two. <laughs>
2: They're a well-oiled machine. Nothing (laughs) ever goes (laughs) wrong. How many many seasons is WEC on? How many times it died so far?
0: No idea. (laughs) But yes. Uh, That'll be the show. And Again, if you like the show, you can subscribe. You can leave a like on this video. Uh, You can follow us uh, all on our social medias, which would be listed, well, on screen right now. Uh, and <laughs> as well, uh, you could follow the show at motorsport underscore 101 and at motorsport101.com. And you could also back us on Patreon where you could uh, listen in live and submit questions live like yeah. the other british free question. Uh, and again, uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, Stuart, while you're here.
3: Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Chain Bear on, I think, just search for Chain Bear. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it'll come up. It will uh, probably
2: be the first hit.
3: If you type in Chain Bear, you'd hope. <laughs> or I've done some terrible SEO. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do explain things about mostly Formula One, but this week, Formula E.
0: Yeah, and I can't wait to see your video about this race yeah. uh, and neither can I to be
3: honest awesome. <laughs> the editing
0: uh, and yeah for all, for all of us here uh, hope to see you next week and bye uh, well actually since Ray's not here might as well say it uh,
2: Saranara S- oh, <laughs> Arriba y'all r-
0: Arriba
2: did you say Saranara <laughs> is that a That's- new kind of pasta Yeah, that's what I get at the Olive Garden.
1: Where I eat with my family. Oh my god.